Hello and welcome to Broken But Glorious. I'm Chris Lappin. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by the leader of the Indie Card Mafia and the king of kind of alright style, Eric Hemenon. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see even an Eric. I'm doing well, how are you guys? I'm very well, thank you. <laughs> so thanks for joining us this evening. Did you have a nice Thanksgiving? Oh, it was, uh, it was busy. I ended up cooking for uh, my parents. Uh, me and my wife did a uh, our first like full... Like meal cook of Thanksgiving, like we took mm. over the turkey and all the all the all the sides and everything, and we had a bunch of people over, and uh, it was busy and exhausting, but it, it was it was worth it. Oh, great! <laughs> yeah, I've kind of took over the Christmas role at the moment, the last couple of years. So, there you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so first, um, firstly, congratulations on making the PWI 500. Um, thank you, thank you. Second year in a row. Yeah. <laughs> so for um for guys who work on the indie scene. How much how much pride do you get from being recognized like by publications like PWI? So it, it was always kind of like a life goal of mine uh, to be in the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Top 500 because when I was a kid I would go and like I would disappear into uh, we have up here this place called Wegmans yeah. um, in the states and uh, it's got like this big long uh, uh, aisle there where it's just full of magazines and I used to go over there and like I would I would literally sit myself down with my parents would grocery shop and I would just read like pro wrestling illustrated and when the wwe had their magazine i would read that and, um so it was always something where i was like when i became a wrestler i was like you know one day it would be really cool to be in there yeah and then uh my first year i was in there there's a photo of me uh doing what i call the king kong clutch it's a modified camel clutch yeah and uh instead of holding under the chin i pull apart the teeth uh kind of like king kong <laughs> yeah so uh, you know, that was that was kind of like my big moment. My tag team partner was actually a few spots ahead of me, and oh. he goes, you know, I'm, I'm 497, and I was like, yeah, but I got the picture, yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> so is there always good bounce amongst the lads in the locker room oh, about who people absolutely. get in and who don't get in? So. As you said, your, your, your tag team partner, Thomas Brewlington. Brewington, you got it. Yeah, Brewington. Yeah, so he, he finished, was about three places ahead of you, so in the car, yeah, did he bring it up all the time? Yeah, last year, and yeah. what was it, it was like 494, Six, or... 496 or something like that this yeah. year, so it's uh, it's okay that he's ahead of me, it gives me the little extra motivation that I need to step up my game, so uh, I'm, I'm hoping that this year I'll, uh, I'll be able to surpass his number, even if it's just by one. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you think they separate you if you're a tag team? Yeah, we're a tag team, and that's the cool part is that like we're a tag team that made the top 500 singles wrestlers in the world. Yeah, um, we we probably had a combined last year out of all of the matches we worked. I think maybe 15 singles matches between wow. the two of us, and so uh, and I know one of those was a tournament for me and a few like title defenses for me. So I had a majority of the singles matches last year, and so it was just it was cool to be. Included on that list uh, more for our tag work than our singles work, mm. um, because as, as accomplished as we are as a tag team, a lot of people kind of forget that we do singles wrestling. So, so I, um, we'll discuss more about the IndyCard Mafia in a bit. Um, I just wanted to ask you a few questions about how you got into wrestling. So, yeah. um, firstly, how, um, how long have you been a fan? Uh, I've been a fan of wrestling since I was probably eight or nine. Yeah. Um, I, I tell the story a lot, actually. Um, it's the first time I ever saw a professional wrestling show, um, I was probably about eight or nine, and I was in South Carolina with my grandfather. Hmm. And uh, my grandfather was an interesting dude. He lived a great life. He was a uh, uh, he, he 
music on a motorcycle club. He was the VP of a motorcycle club. Uh, you know, he he did a lot of things that a lot of normal people wouldn't get to do. Yeah. And uh, once he, you know, started to mellow out and you know get a get a family and and calm himself down, essentially, um, you know, he moved down to South Carolina from New York State. And uh, I was down on his couch one night. We were visiting on vacation, and he looks at me and he goes, "You want to see something cool?" And I was like, "Sure, why not?" And he goes. This, Eric, is professional wrestling. And he turned on Monday Night Raw. Yeah. And I was watching Monday Night Raw, and this is, it was it was probably pre-Attitude Era, or like just as it was starting off. And so I got into wrestling just at the most amazing time, because there was so much out there. Like, I had, I had Nitro, I had Raw, I had SmackDown, and then uh, come the 2000s, I had my Heat and Velocity and, you know, uh, TNA, and then Ring of Honor was starting up, and the, the indies were starting to heat up, and so... I was blessed with the the ability to watch wrestling grow to what it is today, mm. and it all started with that one night in South Carolina where my grandfather wanted to introduce me to this amazing sport known as professional wrestling. And who's just some of your favorite wrestlers, brother? Uh, some of my favorites, well, it's the list is hard and difficult <laughs> to get into because once I started watching, like. I started watching wrestling, like I said, when I was really young. So once I started getting a little bit older, my list changed dramatically. But when I started watching wrestling, I was a huge Hardy Boys fan. I loved Jeff Hardy. He was probably, bar none, my favorite wrestler of the time. Um, moving on into like the early 2000s, I started studying a lot of older footage, as well as a lot of the newer guys coming out. So I started getting really, really into Rowdy Roddy Piper, uh, Macho Man Randy Savage, um, and then, you know, the, I had the indies. So mm. I had uh, guys I was watching from CZW, like Sicknick Mondo. I was watching uh, CM Punk when he was in the indies. Uh, Brian Danielson. Um, and just the list goes on. You know, it's it, it's a really tough list to put together because there's so many guys I've seen over time where I just, I, I fall in love with their passion for the sport because I know I have the same, I, I share a similar passion for it. Um, and you can see that in their performances and their characters. Uh, more recently, like I really, 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 really started following the Briscoes, and I started watching a lot of the old Briscoe stuff because it's just like that's one team where I just look at them. I'm like, you know what? They they understand. They've got it. Yeah, yeah. Places with my son. As he's he's twelve now, but he started watching when he was about seven, and he loved all the character based ones when he was about seven. He loved Rey Mysterio, John Cena. But as he's got it, he's starting to be the cooler guy. He likes Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And exactly. Zach. They're great guys to love. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be interesting where is he goes, I think. Right. <laughs> so um, so what prompted you to dawn the tights and get into the ring? So it's actually kind of crazy. My I started training to be a professional wrestler at the age of 14. Yeah. Um, I was bullied in high school. I mean, that's, that's really where my story starts. I was bullied and... I wanted an outlet, and I was wrestling with my friends in the backyard like an idiot when I was like 11 and 12, and I was recreating everything we were seeing on TV and, uh, you know, trying to do crazy stuff because, you know, it was it was fun. We wanted to be superheroes, hmm. and, um, you know, once I got to middle school, I started getting bullied for my appearances because I had long hair, and I wore skinny jeans and band t-shirts, and I grew up in the country, so that didn't really fit their ideology. No. And so um, I found my outlet in professional wrestling. And uh, I had my first match uh, in a pro wrestling ring September 11th, 2004. Wow. And I had my first pro match March 8th of 2008. And like my career 
has just been nonstop since then. And it's like, I, I'm going to be, I actually hit 10 years uh, this upcoming March of me having my first pro match in New York State. And um, the wrestling, it, it was just an outlet. You know, it was mm. something where I could go and forget about how I was being treated and, you know, what was being said to me. And uh, I was able to take all that anger that I had, you know, the teenage angst, and I was able to put it towards something good instead of fighting back and going down to their level. And um, it, it's funny because I only got one fight in high school. Yeah. And it was my junior year of high school. And everyone was really nice to me after <laughs> that. <laughs> oh, is there a wrestling you want to mold your style around when you started? I, you know, there's, when I started, it was Jeff Hardy. I wanted to be Jeff Hardy. You know, mm. I still do the Swanton to this day because it's, it's my bread and butter, yeah. you know? I pull it out when, when it's it's time and people want to see something flashy and cool because it's, there's something about the Swanton that always, like, excited me. It was just such a, like, that moment, like, the, the photos you would see of Jeff Hardy doing it where he's, like, frozen in time, upside down, his legs are above his head, but his head is still parallel with the ground. It just... Yeah. It was awesome, so it's like I and it's not a you know, it's not a backflip or a six thirty or a shooting star press or um you know, it's not anything Neville esque, but it it's just enough to make the crowd go, Wow, this dude's athletic and it's enough for me to go, Holy crap, I'm actually still doing this <laughs> like that that's my big thing is like I think I keep it in the, the repertoire because of the fact that it's something that keeps me humble. It, it, it keeps me reminding why I started doing this. You know, I, I ne- when I was a kid, I didn't get in for, into this business for money. I didn't know there was money in it. I just wanted to have fun. Yeah. Well, sometimes the simpler moves are the best moves. Just like, exactly. <laughs> There's a reason why it's been around for years. So, right, so where did the name Eric Eminon come from? I guess it's not um, your real well, name. First off, thank you for pronouncing it right. That's awesome. I, I I've really been, appreciate I've been practicing it all week. Um, a lot of people <laughs> pronounce it horribly wrong. Manon, Eminon, like, it's, it's horrible. It's, it's so bad, and thankfully in the past few years, it's gotten a lot better. Yeah. Um, the name Eminon actually was given to me as a rib by my trainer. He uh, had no name for me my first match, and um, it was I was originally going to go under the name Eric Shane. Eric and, Shane. Uh, yeah, and so Eric Shane was kind of like a take on Michael Shane from TNA, mm. who my brother came up with that name, Eric Shane. He was like, oh, that's such a rad name, you should use it. And I was like... All right. I mean, I don't have a name, so like, why not? You know, I'll, I'll just go wild and I'll, I'll be Eric Shane forever. Mm. And um, so I was supposed to team up with this kid that was training with me at the same time, and we we're going to call him Nate Ashton. So we we're going to be Eric Shane and Nate Ashton, and we wrestled like the Hardy Boys. Mm. Um, so my trainer said, "I want you guys to have the same last name because I feel like that would bond you together as a team." And he couldn't figure out a last name for me. He kept throwing things at me, and I'm like, "Ah, they just don't sound right." And uh, he says, you know what, we're going to call you Eric Eminon, or Eric Shane Eminon at that time. And I was like, why Eminon? He goes, it's no name backwards. <laughs> I've got no name for you. It's literally, if you spell Eminon backwards, it's N-O-N-A-M-E, or E-M-A-N-O-N for Eminon. And uh, the joke when I was growing up in the business was, uh, let's see if this kid can actually make a name out of no name. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, like I was, I, I'm, I'm still using it to this day. Like everyone's like, "Oh, you should just use your name." You're like, "Use your real name." And I'm like, "I could, but I'm gonna save that for like a more important time or a more important occasion." I've, I've built such a reputation around Eric Eminon, and I've climbed out of so many shadows that that name has had, especially in my hometown area. Because um, I had a tag team partner, we wrestled as brothers, 
and uh, broke the fourth wall there. And, uh, we wrestled his brothers for the longest time, but he was he was the body of the tag team. He couldn't work his way out of a wet paper bag, but he was he was the body of the team. He looked mm. the part. Yeah. And uh, I could work, but I was also 150 pounds. So like I was I was I was essentially the uh, the bump and feet to his hot tag, and I was all the, I was I was the pain to his glory. Yeah. And. Um, it took a lot for me to get out of that shadow because, you know, here I was at a, when I started, you know, around 140, 150, um, and I ended up putting on a lot of weight and hitting the gym like crazy because I didn't want to be that small guy anymore. I wanted to be seen as a contender, as a light heavyweight, and uh, I think I topped out at one point at 203 pounds, and mm. I was miserable, yeah. and I was like... I was like, being big is horrible. I don't want to be big at all. And so I ended up, I cut down to like 176 pounds. And I was like, well, I'm small again, but I feel better. And then I was like, there's got to be a happy medium. So I just started like, I hit a lot of like low weight, high rep, like workouts. And I started putting on size and I was like, I can still move. And yeah. I'm putting on weight. This is awesome. <laughs> so I balanced out. I'm at like, I, I balance between like 182 and 187 now, but like, it's just nice to, to be able to say that I got out of that shadow, yeah. you know, and that was that was my biggest thing is like I spent a lot of time fighting everything that was working against me. I'm, I'm, I didn't come from a wrestling school that had notable trainers and I didn't come from a wrestling school that's pumped out names. I didn't come from a wrestling school, honestly, that outside of my area, anybody would know who my trainer was. And in my area, nobody liked my trainer. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I had everything working against me. And so, you know, that was that was the biggest thing is like I I really had to make a name out of no name. And that's that's been the biggest struggle of my career, but it makes everything that happens like the PWI five hundred, it makes all those little things worth it. You know, it makes them that much sweeter at the end of the day. Yeah. Have you ever been asked to work a crazy or weird gimmick over the years? Um, I wrestled for the longest time and this is gonna sound horrible. Hmm. I wrestled in this tag team called Spot Monkeys Inc. Yeah. Okay. Now our tag team, quite literally, was a character-based tag team. It was me and Brian Eminon, uh, my brother. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we quite literally, when we were tag team champions, we had belts that were made of monkey fur with wow. bananas on them. And we would come out and we would do, uh, we had this one spot we called the Mario Kart spot where um, I'm getting bumped around and Brian would eat a banana on the apron and then throw the peel into the ring and I'd hit like a reversal whip out of nowhere and the dude would slip on the banana peel and take a huge bump <laughs> and like it was just so over the top ridiculously yeah. cheesy but it sold so much merchandise <laughs> so it's like i hated the gimmick and yeah. i hated the character and like honestly that character made me almost quit wrestling twice but it it got us bookings and it made us tons of money wow. <laughs> so i was like i hate it but i'm not mad at it but i hate it but i'm making so much money <laughs> But I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> so do you prefer to work hail then? Um, it's it's weird. I it depends on where I am. Mm. It really does. I love being a bad guy. I love being a good guy. But I also like being a realist, and that's my biggest thing. Um, I I don't try to put on a character too often. You know, I, unless I really, 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 really have to lay it on thick. Um, I'm I'm very much so well you see is what you get so what you're getting with me now is what you would see in a ring you would yeah. get this kind of character out of me I'm, I'm a very high energy person first and foremost you know I spent a lot of my time when I was paying for wrestling school selling myself in retail mm. and 
On top of that, I spent a lot of times after that, while still paying for wrestling school, working in call centers where I can't even use my body to sell myself. I have to use my voice. And so I have to make everybody believe, you know, I'm the smartest technician you have or I'm the best salesman you have by either my body language or my voice. So I was able to kind of hone those two things in sales and then turn myself into this crazy, unstoppable character just oozing charisma. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's always been my big thing. So it's like, when it comes to working babyface or working heel anywhere, it's like, I'll be the best good guy you have, or I will be the best bad guy you have ever wanted. It's all a matter of what you need. Hmm. And that's, that's what I'm proud of, is I, I'm, I'm very versatile when it comes to that. I can, I can literally play both sides of the fence. I, I, we, had, we worked in this place in Ohio where two weeks before the show, two weeks, yeah. we had spent probably six months leading up to that, that show where we beat the hell out of these hometown kids. Like, it was violent. We were after-match attacks. and uh, The show leading up to this big ladder match we had was in these kids' hometown. And after my match, like, the kid hits me with his finisher. Tommy runs out, slides into the ring, beats him up. The kid wins by disqualification, but we're pummeling him, just beating him down into the mat. And his partner runs out, and we're beating the hell out of him. And we're just, we just beat him up. It's like, ridiculous. And so I get on the mic, and I start talking. That's kind of my thing. I just get on the mic, and I go crazy sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to tell people that it's the spirit of Tupac Shakur taking over my body. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I yell about everything. And uh, I go in on everybody. That's really what it is, is I make it real. And so I grab this kid by his hair, and I'm like, show me where your mom is. Where's your family? And I'm like, make sure you let them know this is how we do things in Los Angeles. And I stop this kid's face wow. right into the mat with like, one of the most violent curb stops I've ever thrown in my life. And then I walk over to the other kid and I do the same thing. I'm like, where's your family? Where's your family? And his mom stands up. I stomp his face into the mat and his mom storms the ring. Wow. There's no barricades in Ohio. No. <laughs> so this kid, this kid's mom hits the apron. And I'm like, I'm going to have to fight somebody's mom. Like that's, that's what's going to happen. So we get to this ladder match, and we're just everywhere. We're beating the hell out of each other all over the place. And we get to the end of the match, we handcuff one of the kids to the ropes, we beat him up with We were whipping him with belts Mm. while he was handcuffed to the ropes. Like I said, we were bad guys there. We, We, you know, all this stuff ends up happening, I end up going through a table, they end up winning the tag belts. Big baby face reaction. The crowd loves them. They're so happy they beat the bad guys. Yeah. Two weeks later, the same venue, those kids are getting beat up by the new big baddies. Who comes to make the save? <laughs> they love you. That crowd turned on their ears. They were like, <laughs> oh, okay, let's see what's going to happen here. And we come in the ring, and we're, we're bipping and bopping and knocking them down, whatever, whatever. They separate everybody. All's well, ends well. I tell these kids, you know what? Two weeks ago in this very ring, we may have beat the hell out of each other, you earned my respect. Mm. And the crowd just lost their mind. They were like, yeah, IndyCard Mafia. I'm like, two weeks ago, you wanted blood. Yeah. Now you love us. And so later on that night, the team that uh, we came out to kind of like run off comes out, cost us our match. There's this big pull apart. And they're on the outside. Where I'm on the inside with the new tag team champions who just beat us. They're like, come on, man, you're better than that. You're better than that. My tag team partner runs and Cannonball sent on the promoter off the apron. I come flying through the ropes. I, I look at them, I'm like, guys, I'm sorry. And they're like, what? And I just run, suicide dive through the ropes <laughs> into the crowd of people, just start swinging at everybody. Yeah. It was one of the most fun brawls that I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> Sounds amazing. But 
at the end, the crowd's like, yeah, IndyCard Mafia, woo! And I'm like, no, no, that's not how that works. But the promoter, the promoter trusted us enough to make it work. Yeah. You know? So that's, that, I guess that was like, that was a shining moment of like proving that we could play both sides of the fence. <laughs> so you work all over the United States, so. Yeah, we go everywhere. We're, we're, the Midwest, we, it's like Indiana, Ohio, areas like that. Mm. Um, we've worked in Georgia for uh, Atlanta Wrestling Entertainment down there. Um, we actually hold a win over the Carnies, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. I'm very proud of that. In fact, uh, I'll show you this because I know we're on video. I don't know if anybody else is going to see this, but. No, this is all, I, yeah. <laughs> I, took a, I took a memento from Carrie Awful. Wow, that was cool. So I guess this is his uh, Team IOU mask. I claimed that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, we work all over the place. We're actually, we uh, we wrestled in Louisiana uh, last year. Um, and we're, we're looking to expand. That's really, that's what we want to do. We want to go back into Canada. I want to come to the UK. Yeah. Um, uh, Australia's on our list of places to go. Um, Japan. Obviously, the motherland of, of pro wrestling for a lot of us. Um, you know, we all want to go over there, and we, we, we just want to be seen. You know, we want to be seen. We want to wrestle. We want to have fun. Well, hopefully, a UK promoter might listen to this and want to bring you over. So. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, so, as you said, you're a member of um, the Indie Card Mafia. Could you tell us a bit about the history of the team and where you met Tom, etc.? Yeah. So, uh, my tag partner actually grew up in the Bronx, yeah. uh, right in New York City, whole other side of the state, yeah. and. Um, a lot of people th- hear New York and they're like, oh, how far are you from the city? And I'm like, I am literally the farthest away you can be in New York while still being in the state of New York. Mm. And uh, he ended up moving up to Buffalo where I was working for this one company. And uh, he showed up and we just kind of hit it off. And we shared a lot of the same interest in really random, obscure bands. Yeah. And uh, we had a lot of really similar life experiences. And, uh, you know, I just dug it. And, um, I actually started the IndyCard Mafia uh, as a joke um, because for the longest time, you know, you had you had guys calling themselves the Main Event Mafia, and then you had the uh, Middle Card Mafia and the WWE, um, just as a hashtag where they're like, "Show love for the Middle Card guys," you know. Hmm. And um, I was like, you know what? Show some love for the indie guys. What about the hashtag IndyCard Mafia? And um, I'm I'm very much all about brotherhood. And I'm very much about taking care of those around you as you would expect them to take care of you. And so uh, me and Tommy started the IndyCard Mafia. Well, I started the IndyCard Mafia, and then we, we made it a real thing. Um, shortly after we met, I, I said, you know what, man? Like, this is this is the idea I have. And I didn't start it to be a tag team originally. I just kind of started it as a group of guys who wanted to make the business better. Mm. And, you know, uh, I, have, I have a saying that I love very very much i hold it near and dear to my heart and uh it, it's a movie quote and it, it's uh the quote is there's no two words in the english language more dangerous than good job yeah because the what plagues the business nowadays especially the independent scene is that you'll ask a lot of veterans to watch your match and when you get to the back you get this good job kid i can't get better with good job no. <laughs> i can't i can't i can't make myself better with good job i can't i can't make money with good job i can't enhance my career with good job i want to know what i did wrong what i did right what i can do to be better what i can do to be in the main event because if i'm if i'm curtain jerking the show and i'm opening the show i want to know what i got to be what, what i have to do to be in the middle of the card i want to know what i have to do to be the main event because well i don't want to be here forever i want to go places i want to expand my knowledge and i can't do that by just hearing good job and so that's why we started the IndyCard mafia and then we got booked as a tag team and we clicked, and it, you know, I was like, let's, let's,
let's run with this. Let's make this happen. Mm. And so we split from the group that we were in originally and just actually became the IndyCard Mafia. And the following just so many supporters and so many so many of the boys who were like, what do I got to do to be in the IndyCard Mafia? Like, what do I have to do to travel with you guys? And I'm like, just have the initiative to travel. Have, have some gas money ready. Have your ears open, your mouth shut, and just... Like, come do it. Like, that's that's really what it came down to. And um, we expanded the group pretty quickly. There was one guy that I trained with, Cassius Kucher, who we mm. brought in. Um, and we brought him in solely for the fact that I know he shares the same beliefs that I do. And he wants everybody to be better. And he wants himself to be better. You know, this this guy's had his extras work. He's, he's you know, he's seen the big show. He's never, he's never fully been to the big show, but he's seen the big show. Mm. Um, you know, Tommy... Tommy has been to the WWE for for extras work in you know uh, the infamous uh, Bill Goldberg Brock Lesnar separation scene. Yeah, All right, Tommy so. takes the first elbow from Goldberg right to the mouth. Ooh. That's my tag team partner. I'm so proud of him. He broke Goldberg. Uh, don't tell him I said that though, because that's the ongoing rib is that he broke Goldberg and that's why Goldberg died to Brock Lesnar in like eight seconds. Um, but yeah, it's just you know we we have a lot of fun and um, we have guys like Terrell Kenneth. Terrell Kenneth is this young kid. He's an up-and-comer in New York, and he's probably one of the better big men around, and I, I severely recommend, severely, not the word I'm looking for, I heavily recommend yeah. uh, <laughs> checking him out, just because Terrell Kenneth is probably going to be one of those guys you don't want to sleep on. No. Um, we have our wonderful manager, Mirage, who is also uh, Tommy's fiance. so I'm really excited for them and that they found happiness in each other, and... Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to their wedding when I get to dance with Tommy's mom at the wedding. <laughs> That's another ongoing rib with Tommy is I'm going to dance with his mom at his wedding, and he, he threatens to end my life every time I say it. So, Tommy, I'm going to dance with your mom at your wedding. Um, best but, yeah, that's, that's, that's our group. And uh, I love I love those guys like they're my blood, and I would, I would do anything for them, honestly. I would travel hundreds of miles to hurt somebody that hurt them. <laughs> like, they are a family, and like that's really all I care about in this business is my brothers and my sisters that stand by my side and will go to the gates of hell to fight for me. So what do you do to waste away the hours tra- traveling between shows? So uh, we sing a lot of 90s music. Ooh. A lot che- of 90s che- music. Cheesy, cheesy 90s music noise. or terrible 90s oh. metal? Or it's so bad. <laughs> it, it gets so horrible. Like I remember... And it's it's all all sorts of genres too. So it's like there was one morning I was literally driving down a village street at like eight a.m. yelling Tupac in in Notorious B.I.G. out of the window at residents in the village. <laughs> and my tag partner's like, dude, you're gonna get me shot. Like, stop it. Um, there was times in uh, we we drove through Alabama heading to Louisiana, singing Leonard Skinner at the top of our lungs. Mm. Um, Georgia. Georgia, my favorite uh, moment about driving down to Georgia was when we were driving through Cobb County, Georgia, just listening to Big Boss Man sing. Yeah, the whole way through. Like, why not? Like, you get one opportunity to do that. Like, make it happen. Make it count. And so, uh, you know, there's we, we do a lot of fun games. We do a lot of, like, uh, who are five guys you would unbook? Who are five guys you would rebook and why? Like, for certain promotions. Um, like, we, we, we mainly talk about we, we try to talk about as little wrestling as humanly possible when we're in the car. Hmm. Um, unless it's like, yo, I am going to kick somebody's face off tonight. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, you are. And I'm like, yeah, we are. This is going to be great. Um, but we, we keep the wrestling talk, believe it or not, to a very, very 
minimal amount. And I think that's cool because, you know, there's times where we're going to be, it's just bonding. Mm. That's really what it comes down to is, is we're bonding with each other and we're, it, it's, it's not all about wrestling with us as much as, as much as we really think it is. It's, it's really more, like I said, it's, it's more of that brotherhood. <laughs> it's, um, who were some of the biggest feuds and as a tag team you've had? tag team, me and Tommy have done some crazy things. Um, one of the best matches I think we, one of my favorite matches we ever had was when we wrestled against Scott Norian. Yeah. Of the end of the well. Oh, he's amazing. Dude, that was, that was a moment. Like, that, that whole night was unbelievable. Just because, like, we, uh, this, the show that they do, or they did, was called M3, and it was like their big WrestleMania show, and they would do, um, they would do all sorts of, like, crazy convention stuff before the show. Yeah. And, uh, so they would do autograph signings and they'd have like a bunch of vendors there and stuff like that. And I spent the whole convention, oddly enough, wearing this shirt, this, this IndyCard Mafia NWO themed shirt right there. Um, we were wearing that and I'm, I'm literally just staring a hole right through Scott Norton's forehead and I'm just shaking my head the whole time just in character. I'm like, I'm going to kill him. I'm (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to end him. I'm going to break his back. And he's just staring across at me like, who the hell is this guy? And so he's one of the sweetest guys I've ever met. Mm. He's so nice. He took literally every moment he had to talk to us. He, he, he would you know come over and just sit down and we, we shot the shit the whole time. And uh, just to get in the ring with him. And I think my favorite moment was when I got tagged in. I looked over at Scott Norton, I pointed at him, and I go, I want you, big man. And he's like, you want me? And I was like, yeah, I want you. And I was like, when I'm done with you, I'm coming after you, Nash. I want you next. He's like, you want me? And I was like, yeah, I want you. And I jumped onto the second turnbuckle. I go, I'm about your height now. Let's go. Come on, let's do this. Mm. Nash walks over and grabs a mic, and without skipping a beat, taps the mic, brings the mic up to his mouth, and goes, listen. Just because you saw me in Magic Mike doesn't mean you get to have me. And puts the mic down. And I'm like, what do I do after that? Like, that's Kevin Nash. I don't know what to do. And what I did was I jumped down and I turned around and I ate a big Scott Norton chopper six. And it was just—it was so much fun. And he powerbombed me onto my head and I laid there and he pinned me. And he, he you know, he, he told me, he's like, you were impressive. He's... He, specifically from his mouth came, you're a hell of a worker, kid. You've got a ton of potential. You just keep it up, and the sky is not even the limit. You will do great things. And I was, I'm was, i just sitting there smiling as he's pinning me, because I'm like, this is Scott Norton telling me this. This is awesome. Um, but, like, that was a cool moment. As a tag team, we've had some pretty crazy feuds. Like, uh, I said, we beat the hell out of those kids with the belts, and we had that big, like, six-month-long feud with them. Mm. And then we, uh, we had this one kid... Uh, down in Hazleton, Pennsylvania, who we Tommy stole his stick pony, like a, a pony head on a stick. Yeah. Because this kid was playing like a super young cowboy kid, and he was a baby in the business. And so we're like, we'll take care of him, but we're gonna have fun with this. And so we made like this whole, like it, it was probably like fifteen shows. It felt like where we were just screwing with this kid mentally. And we're like, oh, no, it's not Pepe the horse because this one's got a bandana and yours photo doesn't. And it, was, it was ridiculous. But it was hysterical. It was some of the most fun we had because we didn't have to do anything. It was just no. all character stuff. And uh, the feud broke down to a ladder match where they had the stick pony hanging above the ring. And uh, the kid ends up winning a stick pony back. His cousin wins it back for him. And he snaps. 
snatches it out of his cousin's hand and he's hugging the horse and yada 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 and his cousin's just upset because he's like you care more about that horse than you do me <laughs> and so his cousin kicks him in the stomach gives him this big driver and he's laying down on the ground and his cousin picks him up and he's like come on guys come on and we're like oh okay it's on so we hold this kid up and we make him watch us cut up this stick pony. <laughs> it was so, it was so gruesome. Then I was like, everyone wants the Indy Card Mafia to do mafia stuff until we do mafia stuff. Yeah. And everyone's like, whoa, that was kind of too far. Like we literally took a bandsaw and we cut this pony's head off. <laughs> and we like, it was ridiculous because as soon as the saw touched the like the the material of the stick pony, it just exploded white fuzz <laughs> like white fuzz everywhere. And so, on camera, you just see white fly everywhere, mm. and then I kick this kid in the face, and then I, I literally grab what fuzz I find on the ground, and I run back to the ring, and I throw it in the air, and I go, we're all witness, like I'm LeBron James. Yeah. It was just, it was a ridiculous moment. And then the week after, because this, this place ran weekly shows, mm. the week after, they opened the show with him standing in the ring, holding a bucket of the remains of his horse, having a funeral. <laughs> And so I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. And so I look at Tommy, Tommy looks at me, and we both look at our manager, and I go, should we go stand on the stage? And they're like, yeah. So we go stand on the stage, and I'm fake crying. I'm like, this is so sad. He was so young. Oh, it was just an accident. And it was just, it was so cheesy and ridiculous, but at the same point in time, it was so much fun. Because... We were able to kind of like test our limits with characters or as characters. And while we were super serious everywhere else, this one place, uh, we were able to be something different. Yeah. And it was so much fun. <laughs> but uh, I sent that kid to prom with a black eye and I felt really, really bad. <laughs> well, we, just, we just get back to Scott Norton and Kevin Nash. Um, as, you're a, as you're both smaller guys, do you have to yeah. vastly change your style when you're working with such big guys who aren't as mobile? Not quite as mobile as um, they used to be back in the day. You know, it, here's the thing: is like uh, with Norton, I didn't have to change anything I did no. because you know he he just kind of threw me around. He did his <laughs> Scott Norton thing, you know. He did big strikes, big chops. At one point, I got bumped on the apron or next to the apron, and he drags me out and starts throwing elbows right into my chest. And it was all just a matter of like bumping and feeding for him. Yeah. Um, but with big guys. Um, the only thing I really change up is I strike the legs more. Yeah, Cause, makes sense. You know, a tree can't stand if it doesn't have a good foundation. And that's always been my big thing is I I, I go for psychology. A lot of people are like, oh, well, what's he gonna do? Is he gonna how is he gonna do any of his his moves? Well, I'm gonna kick him in the legs until he can't stand, and then I'm gonna figure out what I'm gonna do from that point. Mm. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's really what it is. I throw knees, I throw elbows, and I throw kicks, and then everything else is just you know, it's showmanship and in 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 fluff. Yeah. But you know, it, it works out. Um, but you know, I tried I try not to change too much of what I do because you know, it, it's it, it got me this far. Yeah. You know, and. Uh, you know, there's there's certain times where I've picked up my uh, Terrell Kenneth. I've picked him up on my shoulders before, and that, he's not a small boy. He's yeah. a big boy. And uh, you know, I said to myself, I was like, "Oh, I can do this. I can pick up big guys. All right, I'm, I'm a little more confident now. I'm feeling good with myself." Um, so you know, I'm starting to get to the point where uh, big guys don't scare me as much as they did when I was 150 pounds. Because mm. uh, when I was 150 pounds, I would. Uh, this is this is my game plan. Go in. Get thrown around, don't die. <laughs> That's really what it was. And uh, you know, at the time when I was 
when I was still young in the business and I was a small guy, Colin Delaney was making his come up in ECW. Hmm. And so I was like, I want you to be like Colin. And I'm like, I don't, I'd rather not. Because, you know, you guys run once a month and he's on TV every week. (laughs) So he's got to, he can, he can fight back and it makes sense. I, uh, I'm going to die every month for the next two years now. Uh. So, I, actually, I, actually, I actually watched your match um, with Colin Delaney, so it was really, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, I got I got out of that, thankfully. Um, you know, I got out of that pretty pretty clean from, you know, whenever somebody was like, hey, I want you to do the Colin Delaney thing, I was like, mm, but there's already one Colin Delaney who, believe it or not, Colin Delaney actually came from the same area that I did. Yeah. So... I recently watched your match, you sent me the link, and I really enjoyed your match with Colin Delaney, it was last month. Thank you, oh my god, it was so much fun, that was, that was, I told my tag team partner, I was like, that's one of my bucket list matches right there, Yeah. and then uh, we got another bucket list match of mine coming up in February too, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one as well. Hi, this is Dave Mercy, owner of Pro Wrestling Chaos, and you're listening to Broken But Glorious. Right, so the, the, there's a recent feud between The Miz and Baron Corbin, which was mainly built over social media rather than on telly. Um, how important has the advent of social media become for guys on the easy indie scene? It's very important. Mm. Like, hands down, it's probably more important than being able to actually wrestle. <laughs> um, it, when it comes down to it, there's, there's one thing that matters in this life, and that's how many people you can reach with what you do. Mm. And social media has made that so much easier. You know, we don't have to do what they did in the late 90s, early 2000s, where we're mailing VHS tapes to promoters. No, I have a fully built resume with YouTube links to promos, to matches. I have all my photos on social media. Um, You know, I run a fan page as well as my Eric Eminon page. Yeah. Um, You know, so it's like I've got my Twitter, my Instagram, and those are all ways that I can interact with fans. And the cool part is, is that, a majority of my fans that have me on one may not have me on the other. Or, you know, a majority of the fans that have me on Facebook may not have me on Instagram or Twitter. So, um, you know, to be active in all of those is a job within itself uh, where you, you've got to maintain that. And then on top of that, you know, managing your merchandise sales, you know, having a pro wrestling tease page like I do. Um, you know, it's nice to go on there and just throw designs on there, but nobody's going to buy it if you're not selling it. So no. you've got to sling your own merchandise via the Internet and via social media. And uh, the more you sell yourself on social media, the more people are going to take notice. And the more people are going to take notice, the bigger your circle is going to get. The bigger your circle is going to get, the more important people are going to see you. Um, and that's just it's, – it's, it just snowballs itself. You know, a lot of people – Especially the WWE, I know, looks at social media, and they look for social media. Yeah. Um, and while it may be a good thing, sometimes social media is, you know, our biggest enemy as an independent wrestler. Um, you know, plenty of people have gotten a ticket to the show and had that ticket taken away because of, you know, uh, certain things they've done or said on social media. Uh, it just, it's, it, it's a really risky format, but you've got to be really good at what you do on. Yeah, the last guy I interviewed then, David Fuller, said he wants to go heel so bad, but he can't be bothered being heel on social media, so we just got to stay the same. <laughs> <laughs> so if, he wants, if, he, if he's going to go full in, he'll, he wants to do everything, but he just hasn't got the time to get his, to change it. Right. <laughs> yeah, my thing is like, and that's that's what's tough for me, is like, I it, it depends on where I am, mm. if I'm a good guy or a bad guy, so that's why, you know, being a... a like I said, being that realist, man, being being able to say, you know, I'm me, it, you can take it or leave it, like, I do bad things, but I do good things, nobody's, you know, clean, cut, and dry, nobody's, nobody's a superhero, nobody's Clark Kent, nobody's gonna, you know, watch, nobody's gonna care 
if you go into a phone booth and take off your glasses and your suit and your Superman. Like it's it's not that world anymore. People no. understand that I I have a I have a mean streak if I need to, but I'm also the nicest guy in the world if I need to be. And it's all a matter of who gets on my bad side, and who's on my good side. You know, I can get in the ring with 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 a villain and be the best superhero you need, and then have that you know the biggest superhero of the show come out the next night, and you know there I am being the bad guy because I have to be. Yeah. You know, I don't mind if if it, it really what it comes down to it is I am me a hundred percent of the time, and it's just a matter of if I'm going to talk a lot or if I'm going to wrestle a lot. That's really that's really the fine line. I'm yeah. either going to talk a lot and be a bad guy, or I'm going <laughs> to wrestle a lot and be a good guy. So as you mentioned, you've got a huge show coming up in February where you'll be fighting in the main events of Project Chapter Five, Winter War Ga- Winter Warfare. Sorry, I was going to say War Games. Then. <laughs> so you're taking on um, the zombie princess Jimmy Jacobs legend. Yeah, the unprofessional Jimmy Jacobs. Wow. Yeah. I'm really, 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 really looking forward to it. And uh, I, I just dropped a promo accepting his challenge last night, and uh, it, it's it's reached a lot of people, and I'm very happy about that. Once again, social media, mm. great thing to have. Yeah, um, his his vignette where he challenged you was pretty cool. So he didn't say a word. Just wrote, scribbled your name on a piece of paper, camera panned in on it. Yeah. He smiled and then he no, walked I'm, away. I'm not even gonna lie; it gave me goosebumps because if you would have told like 14 year old me, I would have been part of a Jimmy Jacobs promo. I yeah. would have laughed at you. And now here I am, getting the opportunity to step in the ring with him. And I'll, I'll give Jimmy Jacobs all the credit in the world. He is one of the best characters I, I would say of all time. Jimmy Jacobs is somebody that I always looked up to when I was watching the Indies. He's somebody I always studied because he's a smaller guy. Yeah, and I'm a smaller guy, and so I, you know, us small guys had to kind of stick together, and I, I would pull from him, and so it was, it was kind of a surreal moment to have that happen and have him call me out. Yeah, because you know, I, I, I say that I'm the punk rock supernova, and I burn bright and die young and all that, but this is really showing how bright my, you know, my supernova is burning, and mm. that that made me happy because if he's taking notice that. I'm going to be the one that he needs to beat to make a statement in Project Wrestling. Then I'm, ha- you know, I'm I'm more than happy to welcome him in. Yeah, I'm more than happy to welcome him into Project Wrestling. You know, and if I've got to make an example out of Jimmy Jacobs to show <laughs> to everybody that I can go, I'm more than happy to do that. You know, because statements are to be made in a loud, obnoxious fashion, and I know a thing or two about being loud and obnoxious. I will link. I will link your. Uh, well, I will link both videos into the description. Oh, so if they're both really good. <laughs> so I thought. I thought the WWE lost the trick. What? What they, they just had him as a writer. I think they could have had him on yeah. NXT, putting over younger talent, just in the mid card. Yeah, and Jimmy Jacobs is somebody I think that they really slept on. I really do. I think he was a great writer, and I found it funny that the the former writer wrote my name on a piece of paper to book himself in the main event. Yeah. So. <laughs> That, that made me laugh a little bit. That, I appreciated the irony in that. Um, but, you know, like you said, he didn't have to say anything in his video, and I am not short for words in my video. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, so what should fans expect from the events as a whole? Um, you know, Project Wrestling always strives to be different. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's as Tommy put it, it's uh, Wrestling Reborn. And um, we really want to give you main event matches from beginning to end. That's really what it comes down to, is that Project Wrestling as a whole wants to be what wrestling should be. You know, fun, entertaining, and you shouldn't ever have what we call a popcorn match where everyone goes, you know what? 
time to take a piss and get some food because mm. this matches the drizzles. Like we 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 don't want that. We want you to literally be on the edge of your seat the whole time until we get to the end of the main event and you go, I can't believe it's over. Well, <laughs> sounds good. That's really what our goal is. Is you know I want a main event match from everybody, and you know that's the thing is you should always be wrestling for the main event no matter where you are on the card. Um, my mindset has always been this. You know, I'm wrestling in front of 10 people, 100 people, 1,000 people. This is my WrestleMania. Mm. This is my moment. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to steal the show. I don't care where I am on the card. I don't care how big the crowd is. I don't care, you know, where we are. You know, we can be in some podunk town on a Friday night with 10 people in the crowd. But you know what? Those 10 people are going to understand that I'm out there to put on a show. And they're going to leave feeling better about, you know, the product, the business, the characters they saw after we're done with them mm. just because of the fact that you know i feel that shows i feel it shows when you when you show pride and confidence in what you do if you go out there and you half-ass it people are not going to want to come back and you've done a, a disservice to the business and so i want to go out there and you know i may not kill myself for 10 people but i'm going to go out there and i'm going to put on the best possible match that i can do with the best possible talent that i am provided in front of you know the best possible fans that i can be in front of yeah that's really the bottom line is all we want to do is we want to we want to give the best show to everybody so is this the biggest match of your career so far um i would say it's up there i really would yeah. um if you would have asked me this a couple weeks ago i would have told you my match with colin was really what i told everybody was my match with colin was my bar yeah. i wanted to see how high i could set the bar and if i could go and if the match was bad then i was like you know what maybe it's just time i walk away because if i can't go with colin i I can't go to that caliber, that level, then fine. Like, I, I know what my limit is, and I know where I'm going to be forever. But the match was great, and it went off without a hitch. And I feel the story we told was perfect. And now the bar is Jimmy Jacobs. Yeah. And I'm setting out to see how high I can set the bar with Jimmy Jacobs. Because if I can go with Jimmy Jacobs, the IWA heavyweight champion, mm. if I can go with Jimmy Jacobs... I've set the bar pretty high for myself, and I know that I can do it. And that's that's really what the goal is. And yeah, I would say that at this point, Jimmy Jacobs is probably going to be the uh, the number one top match in my career. And I think he's going to give me hell. I really do. But the bottom line is, is that the punk rock supernova does burn bright. Mm. The punk rock supernova is not afraid to die young. I am literally going to go put it all out on the line uh, on February 9th because... I've got nothing to lose, and there's nothing in this world more dangerous than a man with nothing to lose. <laughs> That's brilliant. If we could just peel the curtain back on promotions. Um, when a promotion brings in a big name, how do you decide who's going to work with them? Um, so, when it came down to this, I had no idea. Yeah. Um, I've noticed uh, for other promotions, just being somebody who's sitting in the back, um, when they bring in a bigger name, it's usually to either uh, increase the draw, just to get more eyes on the product, um, which, if done right, works wonders. Yeah. Um, you know, you got to make sure you're bringing in the right guy for the right area. You know, I'm not going to bring Joey Ryan into a, an area that's just a bunch of hillbilly rednecks because it's not going to sell. Now, if I'm running yeah. in a big city and I bring in Joey Ryan, I'm going to get the casual fans. I'm going to get the hardcore, you know, um, smarks that are going to come out and just be like, you know what? It's Joey Ryan. I want to see Joey Ryan flip somebody with his dick. Like, yeah. that's really what I want to see. Like, and so, you know, if you're, you're either way, you're getting more eyes on your product that you normally wouldn't get. Um, as for who he wrestles, usually it comes down to who's going to give you the best match. Sometimes it comes down to who I want to put over next to my product. If I want to mm. put over, uh, uh, a young guy, I'm going to bring in a bad guy. 
Yeah. You know, if I want to if I want to put over somebody who's got a lot of talent, but I don't feel like the eyes have really seen him in the way that they need to be seen, you know, that's who I'm putting him on. It everything has to have a reason. So if you can make like a dream free match project card with one women's, one tag, and one main event, what matches would you choose? Hmm. That is a good question. I would selfishly take the tag match. Yeah. Um, and it would probably be me and Tommy versus. Uh, I would say no. Ready? Me, Tommy, and Terrell Kenneth yeah. versus Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. That would be my dream tag match right there. And that's just because I love Kenny Omega. Like, it is ridiculous how much I've studied Kenny Omega in the past two years. Um, he's just one of those guys who is just so amazing at what he does. You know, he, he wrestled a small child. Yeah. And made that, put that child over. Huge. <laughs> And so it's like I want to I want to get to that level at some point in my life where I could go out and have a match with somebody who is just unexpected and it just blows the roof off the place. Um, main event, I would probably say I would like to see Mike Orlando versus Cody Rhodes. Yeah. Um, just because Mike Orlando is a great talent in in this area in, in this side of the country. Um, and I think him and Cody Rhodes would just blow the doors off the place. Um, I think that would be awesome. And then for a women's match, it's tough because there's so many talented women on the independent scene that don't get their due. Um, but you, you could probably take any woman in the Indies right now and put her in the ring with like somebody like Candice LeRae and it's a show. You're going to have a great time. Um, I, I, I don't think I could I could fairly just put a, uh, any particular woman on the show though, um, just because they're all so ridiculously talented. It would it would honestly probably come down to okay who's available, who's affordable, <laughs> and who wants to work Candice LeRae. So ladies, Project Wrestling, mm. send us your resumes. We wanna we wanna we wanna make you know stuff happen. And, you know, send I would say send the promoter their resumes. But that's honestly when it came down to it, that's that's what I would want to see. Those those would be my dream matches for a Project Wrestling card. Guessing from your picks there that you're a big New Japan fan. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, are you looking forward to Wrestle Kingdom? Oh, absolutely. We watched <laughs> me and my tag partner sat down here and watched Wrestle Kingdom uh, when it was happening in uh, during the big like battle royal when Scott Norton came out. We both lost our minds yeah. and immediately picked up our phones and texted him. We're like, Scott, we see you on TV. <laughs> And then I watched him powerbomb somebody, and I went, I was that first powerbomb back in 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with that. It just, dude, it was so awesome to see him back, and then, like, because, you know, Wrestle Kingdom, is, it's it's the second WrestleMania for me. Like, it's awesome. It's the, fir- it's see- the first one I'm planning to watch live. I've only really gone to New Japan this year. So. Yeah. So. Dude, it's just so nice. Plus, like, uh, New Japan's been touring with Ring of Honor over here. Yeah, that's it. That's so it's like it's they've they've been putting on just crazy shows out here, and they've been everywhere, and it just it makes me so happy to see New Japan doing so well. Mm. And the card you know, looks just amazing. The crazy amounts of talent that come out of there, and like just it, it makes me so happy. Like wrestling is so good right now, <laughs> and it's the best. It, honestly, I would argue and say wrestling is the best it's ever been, and that's simply because of the fact that. It's so readily available at everybody's fingertips at any point in time. Like with the WWE Network and Ring of Honor and New Japan and the the thousands of independent companies all over the place. Like wrestling is more alive in, than it's ever been. Yeah, and it, it makes me so happy. 
as soon as they announced Omega, Jericho. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, like that's honestly one of those matches where it's like because I was growing up, I was a huge Jericho fan because mm. he's a, he was a great talker. Like one of my favorite lines uh, that he threw out when I was a kid. He's standing on the stage and he looks at Stephanie McMahon and he called her a trash bag, bottom feeding hoe. Yeah, and I'll never that. forget that because I'm sitting in the living room with my parents and my jaw dropped. Mm. I'm a kid and I was like, that's hysterical. But, like, he's had so, like, there's so many moments that Chris Jericho has said something or done something where I've been like, you know what? Like, his, undis- his when he was the first ever Undisputed Champion, that whole run was awesome for me as a kid. Because I was like, that's impressive. Like, you did something that nobody else has ever done. And, uh, you know, it's just, it was, it, it's just amazing to see him so relevant now. And he's kept his relevance for so long. Like, you think back... 17 years ago, he was on top of the scene. 17 yeah. years ago, and he's still relevant to this day that when he comes back, you know, with or without a list, uh, <laughs> you know, he comes back and people are like, it's Chris Jericho. And people lose their minds for Chris Jericho. And he's he's amazing at what he does, you know, be it music, be it wrestling. It, you know, I think him going to New Japan, like, that's going to be such a cool thing to watch. And as a fan, I am. That, that's probably the thing I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah. yeah the, the card's so amazing that nobody ever talks about the card. Naito is the main event. Like, yeah. I've never heard anyone talking about that match. I said, that match is going to be amazing. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. right, so, um, so where can people see you in the near future? If, oh, man, I am going to be all over um, in the upcoming months. Uh, let me pull out my schedule here real quick. <laughs> I... Uh, just picked up a few bookings for January, and I'm really excited about it. Um, December's actually kind of a slow month for me. Thankfully, I get to spend some time with my family, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, usually, the holidays are kind of rough for bookings around here, because a lot of people are like, oh, we don't want to run against Christmas. And I'm like, I completely understand. I'd like to see my family, too. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be uh, supposed to be in Fremont, Ohio next weekend. Um, then I'm taking off the rest of the year for a holiday, get to spend some time with the family. Um, and then we start back up in January. We're going to be in Ohio, Brockport, New York. We're going to be in Massachusetts for Truly Independent Wrestling mm-hmm. um, coming up in January. And then in February, like I said, February 9th, Project Wrestling um, is going to be the show to look for. So that's the next couple shows you're going to see me on. Um, I'm going to be on social media trying to find some more places around, um, you know, around the Northeast. I, and like I said, I'm just for me, it's just a matter of finding more places to go. Uh, we're currently working on locking down another uh, southern booking right now, so I'm really excited to go back down south and get me some uh, Bojangles and Waffle House and Chick-fil-A and all the, all the crazy southern food we don't get up here in New York. Yeah. So, uh, Do you want to plug your social media before we go? And then... Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can find me on Facebook for Eric Eminon. Uh, Facebook fan page is Eric Eminon Pro Wrestling. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Eminon. Instagram is at ICM underscore Eminon. Um, Pro Wrestling Tees page is, uh, what is it? It's ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Eric Eminon. Um, help me buy shirts. <laughs> buy shirts. Buy my merchandise because uh, the more people I see in my shirts, the happier it makes me. It makes me feel successful. Yeah, all the links will be in the description below the interview. Yeah. So, so I've really enjoyed speaking to you today. I'd love to, for you to come back on again. And, um, have Absolutely. A- I'd, I'd, I'd love to come back. Maybe we can uh, get my tag team partner and a few of the other IndyCard Mafia guys oh, on great, here as yeah. well. Yeah, have a great Christmas. And- all right, thank you, you too.